Let me pray for us as we dive into God's word. Father, we believe your word is alive and active and that it can change us and transform us and bring us life. And so we ask that it will do all of that and more in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. The giving of gifts, it's a big part of most holidays, isn't it? From marshmallow peeps and those colored goodie baskets on Easter uh, to anything covered in chocolate or that smells sweet on Valentine's Day. Uh, A lot of holidays involve the giving of gifts. That's nothing out of the ordinary. But Christmas, if you think about it, it's really the only holiday where you actually exchange gifts. I mean, giving someone a gift for a special occasion, that's one thing. But, But giving them a gift with the expectation and understanding that you will get something in return from them, it's pretty unique to this season. It can be the drawing of names, secret Santa, the awkward white elephant gift exchange at the office party. Remember, 6 to 8 p.m. tonight for our version of that. Uh, But it's, it's interesting that when you give a gift, in most situations, you don't expect one in return. But that's not true at Christmas. In fact, the opposite is true at Christmas. Now, that might be purely coincidental. Or maybe, just maybe, the exchanging of gifts speaks to the very essence of Christmas. You see, gift exchanges have been a part of Christmas since Christ was first born. Even though the wise men are the ones who always get the credit for the ones who brought the gifts to Jesus, the the fact of the matter is that everybody in that story brought something to the newborn king and in return received something from him. Mary exchanged her expectations and hopes of a quiet, uneventful home birth for something that resembled a National Lampoon's movie. The shepherds exchanged their evening shift with some lowly lambs for an encounter with angels from on high. And the angels exchanged praises in heaven for a bold proclamation about peace on the earth. The story of Christmas is truly a story of gift exchanges. It's the story of God inviting people to bring whatever they are willing or able to bring to him and in return receiving more than they could have ever asked for or imagined. What we see happening, though, at Christmas, it's nothing new. Our God has always been in the exchange business. Look at this. Isaiah says it well in 61.3. God will console those who mourn in Zion and give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus himself said something similar in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Both these passages speak to this dynamic of God inviting us to bring to him what we have, what we are able to bring, whether good or bad. Bring it to him and in exchange and in return receive something else. And this is very, very unique because all other gods, Allah, Vishnu, Zeus, all those gods, they demand things from you. All other gods take things from you. They mandate and require that you bring sacrifices and offerings and that you do certain things to please them. So you give all these things to these other gods, things you think they'll be happy with, things you've been told they want from you. You give it all to them and in exchange, they don't hurt you. That doesn't seem like a very fair trade. I give you all of this and in return I get nothing? 
That's not how it is with Christianity. See, our God is the one who gives to us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's our great God taking what we have to offer, even though sometimes it's, it's broken and empty and useless, and, and not only taking it, but, but accepting it and then gifting us and exchanging it for something so much better. And not only does he accept our worst stuff, that's actually what he really wants from us. He wants you to give him your mistakes because in return, he will give you his grace. It's an amazing exchange. He wants you to give him your weakness because in return, he will give you his power. It's an amazing exchange. He wants you to give him your sorrow because in exchange, he will give you his joy. It's an amazing exchange. He wants you to give him your loneliness because in exchange, he will give you his very presence. You, You with me? It's an amazing exchange. So we call it a gift exchange. It's very one sided. Normally, in a gift exchange, you try to match the quality of the gifts that are given, right? Well, you can't do that with God. His will always be better. He wants to exchange our worst for His best. He wants to exchange our fears and failures, even our frustrations, for freedom. He wants to exchange our shame and sin for salvation. It's the best, it's the most incredible gift exchange you've ever been a part of. I give you this, and in return, I receive all these other things. And that's something I believe the Lord wants you to see when you look at this scene, when you see the manger, when you see the nativity play out. There are so many things happening, but I think the Lord wants you to see an invitation to a gift exchange. Come do a great gift exchange. That's what the banner should be over this moment. Here at the manger, God invites us to give him Our worries, our fears, our skeletons, our mundane lives, our hopes, our plans, our talents, our finances, all of it, and in return receive something else. And this morning we're going to talk about the first great exchange. And you can't start this conversation about gifts at the manger and exchanges without talking about the wise man. I mean, everybody did bring a gift to Jesus in that moment, but these guys are kind of a big deal. They're the ones who literally did it. Let me read you their story. It's in Matthew chapter 2. If you have a Bible, open it there. If not, let me read it for you on the screen. The the story goes like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them again until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The story of the wise men. 
the Magi. How many of you ever read or remember the books, uh, Where's Waldo? Anybody ever peruse through these books? I used to love these books. I used to love reading these books primarily because there was no reading involved. But in these books, you have to search through these incredibly colorful and chaotic scenes in search of, of certain characters. And I put those characters up on the screen for you. There's the star of the show, Wally, or Waldo, as some call him. But there are other characters. There's Wenda, Woof, Wizard Whitebeard, and of course, Waldo's evil nemesis, Oddlaw. Mm, bad guy right there. Now, some were a lot easier to find than others, but searching high and low on each page, it was just it was something fun that you got to do. Somewhere else where you're encouraged to search high and low for things that are hidden is at Disneyland. How many of you have ever heard about the hidden Mickeys? Anybody know about the hidden Mickeys? Well, there are over 1,000 Mickey images and silhouettes planted throughout Disneyland that you will not see unless you are specifically looking them. They are everywhere, from the top of a roller coaster right before you fall back down, to the edge of a trash can, fire hydrants, globe images. Everything is all about the mouse, and his ears are everywhere. Now, I think that people connect with books like this and activities like that because, in all honesty, uh, they remind us of the fact that we are all searching for something. These books and the Mickey Mouse ears Remind us that deep down, life is pretty complicated and confusing, and we're all searching for something to make sense out of it. Author Anne Frank said it this way, We're all alive, but we don't know why or what for, so we're all searching for happiness. And I would add to that, and joy, and peace, and meaning, and purpose, and life, and rest, and everything else. Everything in this life that we want, it's really a search for that something, is it not? We're not sure why we're here, what we've been made to do. We all know we're alive, but we're not sure what that, that purpose or reason is. So we're searching, we're looking for answers to the questions, solutions to the problems. In other words, life reads a lot like this book. It's chaotic, it's nuts, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and we're just hoping that, that somewhere on the page we'll find it. We'll find what we're looking for. American novelist Tiffany DeBartello says it this way, we're all searching for something to fill up what I call that big God-shaped hole in our souls. Some people use alcohol or sex or their children or food or money or music or heroin. I mean, I could go on and on. I used to know a gal who used shoes. She had over 200 pairs. But it's all the same thing, really. People, for some stupid reason, think they can escape their sorrows. Now, I don't think the search is stupid. I don't think the longing or the looking is stupid. What is stupid is looking in the wrong place, expecting to find the right thing. Isaiah 8 describes for us, through the prophet's words, a time similar to our own. People looking, searching, just hoping to find it whatever it might be for them. And he describes, though, how frustrated they get in their search because they're looking in all the wrong places. Isaiah eight twenty one, Distressed and hungry, they roam through the land. When they're famished, they become enraged. They look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust themselves into utter darkness. 
That wording, roaming the land, famished, enraged, it kind of reminded me of, of Black Friday shopping there a little bit. It's like, whoa, sorry. But in all honesty, it, it, it looks and sounds, it describes our spiritual lives, does it not? Distressed, hungry, famished, frustrated, enraged, because we're all looking, we're all searching, but we're not finding it. And so we grow increasingly Gloomy is what the text says. Roaming through the land, famished, enraged, in our search for answers, in our search for meaning, in our search for happiness. The problem is that most of us do what the people in Isaiah's text, in Isaiah's day did. They look towards the earth. Right? It says, looking towards the earth. Well, therein lies the problem. If your search begins and ends, if your search for meaning, if your search for happiness, if your search for peace, if your search for purpose, if it begins and ends with the things on the earth, you will never find what you're looking for. We cannot look towards the earth or to the things on the earth. We have to look to the God who came to this earth. That's where we have to look. Herein lies the first great gift exchange that we see taking place at the manger. We bring God our search, and in exchange, he takes that, and he gives us his son. Look at what the prophet Isaiah says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. To us a son is given. We're all searching for something, that which will fill us up and make sense of life and help the pieces to fall into place, give us hope or give us an understanding of what happened in our past. We're all searching for it. you got to give God that search, and in response, he'll give you his son. That's the exchange that is made at the manger. You see, the person who gets high every single night, they're, they're looking for something. They're searching for something. They're searching for peace or comfort or for the world to slow down a little bit or for life to make more sense or for it to be less painful. But do not look towards the earth for those things. Look to the God who came to this earth. In your search for all of that, God is giving you his son because it's in him you will find what you were looking for. The person who's spending more money than they make and buying things they cannot afford, they are searching for something, searching for happiness, contentment, excitement, safety, accolades, security, whatever it is. But do not look to the things on this earth for those things. Look to the God who came to this earth. In your search for all of that, God has given you his son. It's in the son you find what you're looking for. The person who reads philosophy books and science journals, who cruises the internet analyzing different expert opinions, they're searching for something. They're searching for, for truth and answers and clarity and a foundation they can base their lives off of. Do not look towards the earth to find that. Look to the God who came to this earth. In your search for all of those things, God has given you his son. Because that's what you're looking for. We're all searching for something, and our tendency is to look for the things on the earth. But there's a reason the author called it the God-shaped hole in our heart. Only a personal, intimate relationship with God can fill that hole. That's why God, in his goodness, gave you his son. He didn't give you a book to read. Oh, in your search for everything, here's a great read. Oh, in your search for everything, here's keys to a new car. I mean, I would have kind of liked that personally, but... It, he didn't give you an expert opinion, a book, a car, a lecture. He gave you his son. He gave you a baby 
Because he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. What happens when you see a baby? You're drawn close, aren't you? Like, oh, little baby, come here, right? The parents are like, whoa, back off. You washed your hands? Like, there's a stomach bug going around, and I'm not sleeping already as it is, so back it up. But babies draw you close. That's why Jesus came in the form of a baby. He wants you to be close. He wants you to be in an intimate, personal relationship with him. Because when you have him, you will find all those other things you've been searching for. That's exactly what we see happening with these wise men. Believe it or not, the wise men perfectly exemplify and model for us this idea of all of us on the search. All of us looking and longing for something. What do we know about these guys, these famous wise men? Well, for one, Matthew, the guy who talks about them, thinks they're pretty important. In Matthew's account of the birth narrative of Jesus, he doesn't even mention the angels. But here we go, 12, 15 verses or so about the wise men. So Matthew thinks they're pretty important characters in this story. Besides that, though, we don't have a lot of specifics. We are told they came from the east. Now, Matthew probably mentioned this to tell the people in the original day, uh, these guys, they're not from around here. These guys are from the east. That probably meant that they traveled hundreds of miles from a pagan land to come and be a part of this. So we're not told specifically where they're from. It's just kind of from the east. We're not told how many there are. They brought three gifts, so we kind of think there were three of them. We're not told what mode of transportation they used. I mean, camels were kind of the going thing at the time. Uber wasn't around. It was like, hey, Bethlehem? Yeah, tonight, done. Boom. Right? So we don't know a whole lot about these guys. They're from the east, and they were magi. Now, that's interesting because that actually tells us a lot about these guys. Magi were influential in the ancient world, extremely influential. They were actually some of the highest-ranking officials in the government at the time. The Magi were skilled. They were schooled in astronomy, astrology. They were known for their ability to interpret dreams. I mean, the, the, the name for their word, or the word for their name, I should say, is where we get our words magic magical, magician, the magi. The magi looked for signs. They tried to interpret the times. They tried to make things come up out of nowhere. In other words, they were professional seekers. They looked at the skies and read the stars, searching for answers. They searched history books and read prophetic writings, searching for answers. They looked through mathematics and philosophy, searching for answers. Try to get an understanding of who a magi was. Think astronomer, weatherman, philosopher, uh, like college president, and preacher all in one. It's like, that's a scary thought. That's who the magi were. These guys are paid professional seekers. Everybody looks to them to provide the answer. Everybody looks to them because the magi know where it is. They know what you're looking for. And they know how to find it. And they literally will search high and low to help you discover what you're looking for. And do you know where their search ultimately led them to? Jesus Christ. These guys were paid for being the ones who knew or who could find the answer. And as they're on their way, as they are trying to find truth, as they're looking to uncover the secrets of life, the Lord leads them to the one known as the way, the truth, and the life. 
I love that. The irony of this is so thick. These guys looked for and read signs. They followed every lead and tried to decipher every code. They wanted to find the truth. They wanted to find the answers. And God literally aligned the stars so their search led them straight to Jesus. It's as if God was saying, oh, you're searching for something, are you, gentlemen? Let let me help you in your search. Let me direct your search Let me show you exactly what it is you're looking for. It's Jesus. All this time, you've been looking everywhere else. But it's time to look at Jesus. What you are searching so desperately for, it's not in the stars. It's in the one who made the stars and calls them out each each night by name. What you're searching for is not found in history. It's found in the one who existed before history even began. What you're searching for, it's not found on the earth. It's found in the one who humbled himself and came to the earth. I mean, everything these men were looking for and longing for was in that child. I read a quote recently. I love it. It says, the first place to look for anything that's lost is the last place you'd expect to find it. Isn't that true, though? It was definitely true with the wise men. This is the last place they thought to look. And yet here they are, standing in the manger. And that's why they traveled so far. That's why some believe they traveled maybe over the course of an entire year. That's why they brought treasures and gifts. Have you ever been looking for something or searching for something and then finally find it? You're overjoyed, are you not? It's like, finally, I've been looking for this thing forever. That's how the wise men felt when they came to Jesus. We've been searching for you forever. And not only that, magi were part of a genealogy, generation upon generation of magi. These men and their forefathers have been searching forever. And these guys, they found it. They finally found what they were looking for. Everything aligned. Literally, the stars came together. Their path led them to not philosophy, not history, not astronomy, not some expert opinion. It led them to Jesus. That was the answer to the question. That was the solution to the problem. You with me? Their search led them to Jesus. And I think the wise men would tell us, as they're looking around at us, chaotically searching for answers, You don't need more stuff. You don't need more insight. You don't need another book or a new gadget. You don't need more expert opinions or a foolproof argument. You don't need more medication, and you don't need more shoes. You need more Christmas. You need more Christmas because you need more Christ. He's what you're searching for. There's a reason that we don't call the the biggest holiday in our world reindeer miss or gift miss or Santa miss. We call it Christmas because it all comes back to Christ. Well, the same is true for your search. Whatever you're searching for, intimacy, love, forgiveness, hope, peace, restoration, meaning, purpose, whatever it is, it is found in Christ. It all comes back to Christ. Your search has led you all kinds of crazy places and you're looking everywhere for the answer. Look to baby Jesus. Look to the baby. So do you have doubts and fears? Well, bring those things to God. Bring those things to God and in exchange, receive his son. Because that's what you've been looking for. Do you have regrets right now? Anxiety? Are you worried about something? Bring those things to God and in exchange, receive the son. 
That's what you've been looking for. Do you have broken relationships or broken dreams or broken spirit right now? Bring all of that to God and in exchange receive the son. That's what you've been looking for. Are you searching for something right now? Bring that search to God and he will give you his son. Only he could do it and he did. See, we're not the first ones or the last ones to ever be known for searching, for looking for it, for, for searching high and low for the answers and, the, and, and life and everything in between. That's what the wise men were known for. It's what they did. But their search ended. Their story changed. And their lives truly began, in my opinion, after they found the baby, after they found the Christ. I love how their story ends. It says this, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, I think that's very literal. I think they had to travel a different direction because they didn't, didn't want to get their heads chopped off by Herod. But I think that's also very symbolic. The wise men were not the same after they found Jesus. After they found what they had been looking for their whole lives as they returned home by another route. They were changed men. They were different men. They looked at the world through new lenses and walked through it in a different way. They weren't going to go back to looking at the stars or trying to read ancient literature. They were just going to worship Jesus. Everything was different now because they found him. And that's why they bring all of these gifts. It's like, you can have it all. We've, we've wasted our whole lives looking for you, and we finally found you, and we're not going back the same way. You with me? It changed them. It changed them. So are you still walking that same old route, looking towards the earth, thinking you'll find it? Are you searching everywhere, looking for that which your heart longs for? You've got to look to the God who came to the earth not to all the stuff on the earth. And when you find him, you won't walk the same route again. You won't go home the same person. It's the son who gives us the answers we need, the strength we need, the rest and the joy that we need. And that's why God said, here, you can have him. He's what you need. He's what you've been looking for. So I encourage you to surrender, submit, stand before him, the baby, this Christmas season, and receive the greatest exchange you've ever been a part of. I want to encourage you tonight to come to our Christmas party. We're going to have a crazy, chaotic gift exchange. I'm not even sure how that's going to work, but I'm looking forward to it. But before that, before tonight, whatever, I want you to exchange your search for the Son. He has gifted you His own Son. And I think He is the answer to all the questions you have and the solutions to all the problems that you have. Let me pray that over you. I'm going to invite the band to come on up and sing us out uh, a great song that kind of summarizes this in a beautiful way. God, you are an amazing God, and we are grateful that in our search, you have provided and gifted us your son. I love the story of the wise men, Lord, and that these guys looked everywhere. They knew everything about everything. They were so educated and so wise. They were in the know, and yet, Lord, you led them to baby Jesus. You led the men who were known for having the answers to Jesus. And I just pray that you will lead all of us to Jesus as well. We are all on our own search. Some of us have already found you, God. And I pray that we will stop this holiday season and worship you. That we will give you our lives afresh and anew. We will gift you with whatever it is you want, Lord, because you are worthy. You are what we've been looking for and hoping for and needing. But there are some of us, Lord, who have not followed the signs, who have not followed the star uh, to where you are. And I pray that will change this morning. 
I pray that we all, in our search for whatever it is we're searching for, will stop looking towards the earth and instead look to the great God who came to this earth. Oh, please make it so. I pray that we will all find Jesus this Christmas and that we will never return the same route, that we will never go back the same. Please make it so. You are good to us. You are always good, and we sing that to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.